Welcome to Bird's Eye View's 300th Unspectacular. You may be asking yourself, doesn't a milestone like 300 episodes deserve a little pomp, a little circumstance, a flourish for the dramatic? Well, sure, but our 300th episode falls in a moment in history when the sport we cover is trying desperately just to exist. And asking anyone to get together for a celebration would be met with a fire hose of hand sanitizer. So, yay! Yay! Bird's Eye View is recording our 300th episode. And what a long and strange and unusual trip uh, this whole thing has been. Uh, The podcast began in April 2012, and at the time, we were expecting to watch, you know, a team that lose 100 games um, in its 15th consecutive losing season. And to be honest, the podcast was kind of the kind of podcast that deserved a 100-loss season. Listening back to the first few episodes is uh, not recommended. If you think this show is terrible now, you should have heard us then. We sat around a single-stick microphone, fumbling around for a few topics while the computer fan kicked on in the background. Ah, the good old times. But much like a rebuilding club, we have made modest improvements over the years off the waiver wire and brought ourselves to the point where we are not a total embarrassment to the rest of the league. And don't get me wrong, it's not pretty. Trust me, we're not pretty people. But we get a few wins every once in a while. You know, I've been thinking back, Scott. Here we are, again, podcasting from your porch as a storm roils around us. And I think Did you say royals? Oof. Oof. Um, bruise? Okay. Bruise. That's okay, okay bruise. right? Bruise is good, okay. yeah. But I'm, I'm thinking about the last, oh, eight years, the, the last, you know, 300 and, or 3,020 days or so that it's been, and uh, thinking back to my some of my favorite moments. And so, if it's all right with you, I, I thought maybe we could just navel gaze for a little bit and um, talk about some of the stuff that we like. So, we've gotten to the point where we're old men sitting on the porch reminiscing. Yes. Okay, just want to make sure. That is what we're doing. Uh, Scotty, I enjoy doing this podcast with you so much, but one of my favorite things was back in the old days when we used to play copyrighted music, and uh, frankly, the best part of preparing for an episode was sitting down to argue over what song was the perfect fit for each segment content. Of course, after a lot of cease and desist letters, you know, we stopped doing that, but we used to use a lot of old Beatles tunes for episode titles. Uh, and I still enjoy that naming process to this date. That's right. Um, I I looked back at a couple of our, our uh, interesting episodes. You know that episode 25 was our first, like, new style intro. We actually had an, an organized intro. There was music. It was almost like we were trying at that point. So it was like we got halfway into the season and we said, hey, uh, maybe something good can happen here. Yes. Okay. Yes. I, I got to be honest with you. For about the first year of this show, I didn't really tell anybody it was happening. It wasn't until the 2013 season that I was like, oh, hey, you should listen to this show. I, I'm doing a podcast. So it's like most of your relationships in the past. Like you don't start off telling everybody you're in a relationship, but eventually you've got to tell the family. Just trying to hide it. Yeah. Just trying to hide it. I I really enjoyed, uh, thinking back to 2013, you lying straight to my face back in March, telling me that we'd see each other next week for the show. Absolutely. Knowing full well that my wife was going to take me to Sarasota that following week. What can I say? Sometimes lies are necessary in order to promote the business. It was a good one. It was yeah. a good one. We went down uh, to Sarasota for my birthday. I took a ton of pictures of Ed Smith Stadium. Uh, it was a good time. You were pretty giddy. I, I, I was very, yeah. very When your giddy. wife surprised you with that, I think you were pretty giddy. Also, something that made me giddy was watching you get Wilson the Volleyball signed at FanFest by Wilson Benemite. Absolutely great moment. Even better, Miguel Gonzalez indicating to Wilson Benemite why I had a Wilson ball on stage and him getting a kick out of that. But uh, Wilson Benemite, um, you know, always will have a treasured spot in my heart as, a, as an Orioles fan. Absolutely. We can't, of course, forget the very first guests we had on this program. Are we talking about Sam and Alan, the Baltimoreans? Yes, Sam and Alan. We uh, managed to figure out how to record sound that wasn't coming out of our mouths. Uh, didn't know those guys from Adam. Nope. Uh, they were as delightful and charming then as we know them to be today. Let's be honest. We wanted to get them on there to basically beat them up for stealing our podcast name that we originally wanted to go with. And then we realized, oh, wait, there was somebody already out there with it. Um, we want to have on there and be like, wow, these guys aren't that good. Uh, but 
couldn't have been any nicer and became lifelong friends in the process. We walked away thinking, maybe we should stop doing this. Absolutely. Be <laughs> like, you know what? We really can't top that. So they've got the best name in the business, and uh, they've got the best voices in the business, too. That's right. But that was also, you know, 2013, maybe 2014. I would call that the golden era of uh, Baltimore Sports Podcast. Uh, when we joined the Baltimore Sports Network, uh, there were a lot of great shows on that on that uh, network. Who who all was there? It was the Baltimoreans. Baltimoreans. We had Section Three Three Six, who's still currently going strong. We had um, Orioles Spastics on there as well. We had BSR Today, who again is still putting out content to this point. Um, who else am I missing? But OBP. OBP. Well, yeah. I don't know if they were in the network, they they were on the uh, live shows. Yes, live but OBP is another great one. But yeah, like I said. A lot of great Orioles podcasts from that golden era of, of, of Orioles baseball between th- 2013 and 2014. And again, um, a lot of those folks getting started up after that 2012 season um, really resonated and really resounding in terms of the culture shift that we saw during that first season. And that's not to say that there aren't a lot of really great shows out there now. Um, and in fact, we encourage you to go and listen to anybody who's willing to get behind a mic and talk about this team because they're our kind of people. Yep. You know, uh, I wanted to, to revisit a couple of our recurring bits of nonsense that have uh, have become, you know, a, a calling card of this show. Yeah. So we have to talk about the breaking news, the hashtag Brian Roberts watch. Uh, Brian Roberts watch. I miss Brian Roberts being an active player. Can we just not talk about Brian Roberts and just talk about his wife, Deanna Roberts? <laughs> that was also a recurring uh, bit of shtick for this program. Of course, there was the good, the bad, the ugly, which we just liked so much we made it a, a part of every episode. Absolutely. And then it was, of course, you know, we've got Steve Pierce coming out to the team and we're like, who the heck is this guy? Like, why are the Orioles getting him? Uh, and lo and behold, he became a World Series MVP. And fan favorite, by the way. A uh, podcast favorite. I think it, a Birdland favorite. Sure. And a Fenway favorite now, too. Ouch. <laughs> Uh, we had the protester, right. which again was Kevin Gregg. First couple episodes, we we talked heavily about the protester. We talked heavily about Kevin Gregg and uh, how he would go out to the the mound and uh, pour gasoline on himself and let himself on fire. You know, I really, I really enjoy looking back at those dated references um, and, and thinking back to where we were as an organization, as as fa- as a fan base, and like a, a good uh, a good version of that would be. Our insistence on trying to get Bravik the Destroyer as a Absolutely. nickname for a player who's now gone. Yeah, I mean, uh, with the Blue Jays organization um, and has not reported yet to the Blue Jays organization, news came out indicating that he'll probably be released. So, Orioles, I know you're looking for a Steve Wilkerson replacement going into the season. Bravik Valera is there. It's time to pick him back up. I'm sorry, who? Oh, sorry. Bravik the Destroyer. Thank you. No problem. Thank you. We can't talk about the history of this program without talking about the bevies, which, you know, frankly, I apologize for for forcing on you. But uh, I got to I got to be honest, Scotty, I don't care if anybody else really enjoys it. I love putting that show together. It's two hours of misery for everybody, but it's pleasure to Jake's ears. So, <laughs> hey, how else are we going to get Jovial Jay's voice on this podcast? About to say uh, Jovial Jay is always a welcome aspect. And again, check out all his podcasts, including his Star Wars fan fiction. <laughs> uh spoiler alert in also in the i don't care if anybody else likes it territory is uh our occasional dabbling in music uh absolutely uh there has been a a cornucopia of hits uh jake you and i've actually discussed this of saying you know we probably have so much that we probably could put out an album at this point i don't know again if that would fit into the aspect of anybody listening to it um but certainly i think that you have um, you know, resonated well with the Berlin audience in terms of your vocal stylings. Oh no, I, uh, sir, I disagree. I think the single off of that album would clearly be "Genie in a Bottle." Oh, there's no chance. <laughs> D- Derek Arnold's ears would bleed once again. Um, <laughs> but I, I think that you know, when we think about the song choices out there, you know, I think about you know, Fifty Ways to Strand a Runner, um, and you appearing on a 105.7 to talk about the podcast, talk about singing that song. Um, and then just getting into getting some aspects of like, yeah, that's really cute. Like, that's that's great that you did that, kid. <laughs> that was that was a pat on the head from a radio it, it, personality. It, it was a pat on the head, absolutely. I think Lila was on the show as a guest host. That Lila night. was a, uh, I think, the co-host that time, and actually was the reason we actually managed to get on there. She, I think, she was really excited. She's like, "Hey, these guys are great," and I think the other co-host was just like, "Yeah, okay, whatever you say." <laughs> 
Thanks. Uh, what what would you say? You know, we we do guests occasionally. Absolutely. Um, you know, we're not for or against it. When when we feel the when we feel the spirit move us, we do it. But I mean, who are some of your favorite guests that we've had on the show? Um, in recent times, I think having Charlie Hoppus on um, during this time period with COVID nineteen and discussing Charlie, yeah, discussing mental health, um, and kind of you know the situation within our culture, um, I think has been a really good one. Um, I think having someone like Ryan Fast on there who's starting to see massive accolades out there um, in baseball communities and even was on ESPN uh, during the KBO sessions was really interesting. I think having bigger guests uh, on the podcast such as like Ryan Wagner, I think was a really great one, too. I mean, we had him on multiple times. Um, I think those are the kind of memories that I have in the back of my head that are really like folks that get us, that get our personality, just not giving us lip service. I also really like it when people that we notice from afar turn out to be exactly as cool as they are when you talk to them. Uh, Justin McGuire was a really great yep. get to have on the on the show. We enjoyed talking to him, and we've enjoyed uh, interacting with him ever since. I, I of course, fanboyed out on Hugh Sisson. Absolutely. Who could not have been nicer Couldn't be nicer to, to come on and talk to an Orioles podcast and just literally talk about the Baltimore community, talk about his passion for what he does in terms of beers and spirit. Um, talk about just the history and just, you know, just get perspective. I mean, Hugh was one of those individuals that helped to bring about the microbrewery trend within Maryland when it was, you know, a, a, an aspect of like, what are you talking about? Like, what is that? So, again, a, a lot of individuals that have kind of shaped um, who you and I are um, during this whole aspect. Um, anybody else that you're thinking of off the top of your head? I really liked uh, talking to Buster Olney. Now, that show was on BSR on, yes. the, on their site. I wonder if we can get that sound back from Zach, but uh, uh, Buster Olney was really great to talk talk to. It was funny because it was in 2014, and uh, Chris Davis had just been suspended, and I remember that we talked to him because uh, ESPN was coming to Baltimore for Sunday Night Baseball, and so you know I tried to steer some of the questions back to Sunday Night Baseball, and he's like, "No, don't worry about it. Let's hey, don't worry about Sunday Night Baseball. Like, let's just talk about Baltimore because I- I'd rather just talk about Baltimore." And it's like, "Cool, that's great." I think if we're going to talk about our best guest, though, like our best, best guest uh, that we've ever had in the podcast, again, it's a recurring aspect. Um, it's kind of like, you know, appearing on the show on SNL like eight or nine times. I think it has to go to our third partner in this podcast, and that's Matt Taylor, who, again, you fanboy and gush over all the time. So, uh, Matt, I, you know, as one co-host of this you know, podcast, you know, thank you for coming on the podcast so many times and just humoring us and letting Jake get out his giggles with you. Um, it has really meant a lot to us. Uh, and again, seeing your writing really helped to kind of inspire us to continue to do this podcast on a daily basis. Man, we're getting mushy here. Um, you know, there is a fair amount of arts and crafts that goes into not so much the podcast, but the content that we create. Sure. Um, I enjoy way too much making the motivational posters and Valentine's. I think we need to potentially come back and update the bingo card. Again, we're entering into bad Orioles baseball. We we had pulled out a bingo card during you know instances of the Brian Maddox experiments and stuff like that. I think going into 2020, we've got 60 games. I think it's a great example to see how many bingo cards can we fill in during this upcoming season. Absolutely. Will it be more wins than the Orioles? It's a good chance. You know, you also put together some quality Game of Thrones content, uh, content I didn't understand because I'm too uh, too unhip to watch the show. But and, and, and don't forget about, you know, which Pokemon would each Orioles player be as well. So <laughs> again, I missed I missed the boat on that one. You know, the other thing when you look at the show that that I think sets us apart from other podcasts, not good, bad, just indifferent, is that, you know, at the very beginning, we tried to cover the, the games or the series and, and give the, the facts and quickly realized, like, everybody does that. If, Every- if you listen to an Orioles podcast, you already know. Yeah. So, you're, you're a diehard is the best way to describe it. We don't need to go through the, you know, the box scores. We don't need to go through each game. You, in essence, are living and breathing that. You want to, again, experience what it's like to talk to other fans out there, almost similar to like, I think back to the days, like the Baltimore Southern community boards that were out there and putting into much more of a virtual format. I think we try to talk less about the what and more about the so what. Yeah. And the other thing I think that we do a fair amount of is trying to distract from the horrific, which we have come to know. Yeah. And there's no better way to do that with 
than than with shtick. Absolutely, right? it's the hydrocortisone treatment of you know itches and uh, uh, you know you know burns and scrapes and everything like that. You know, as long as it isn't B twelve, as long as it's not B twelve, we're in good shape. So, but we we've, we've done a fair amount of. Uh, stupid crap on this program and I, I just like to go back and revisit uh some of that scotty one of the things that you put together that i just made me laugh no end was the gift of the magi oh yes with uh dan ducat and uh buck Walter trading in various uh components that would have made the team better um and basically putting themselves in a more you know difficult position something that just to pull the curtain back one of my favorite things is when Scott brings something that he hasn't run by me or put in the show notes, and I know there's a pretty good chance that we're going to have to cut just minutes of me laughing or I'm going to uh, wet myself in, in the chair in SD Studios. Every so often, uh, I, 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 pull, I pull the curtain back and I'm like, hey, Jake, let's just let's just go with it and see what happens. And uh, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. There's a lot of stuff that's left on the floor um, in SD Studios, but um, yeah, it's fun. Do you remember the uh, the car talk episode? I, d- I do remember the car talk episode. A good tribute, as it were, um, to car talk coming to an end permanently um, with the death of one of their hosts. Yeah, I I also was a big fan of the choose your own adventure concept. Yes, <laughs> the aspect of let's get to page eighty seven and then let it flip back because we don't like the outcome that was occurring. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh my goodness! I mean, there's a ton of aspects I and mean, again we're always playing up this aspect of you know current events and stuff like that too you know doing stuff such as like serial or you know doing the most interesting man segments with buck showalter um you know doing an aspect of like um a MythBuster segment these are all things again that are pop culture aspects again very snl-ish very spoofish um but just fun to do and, and kind of puts in perspective like you said um, you can take a little bit of laughter in the misery of um, of Orioles baseball on, on occasion. All right, let me let me uh, let me lay on you my favorite episodes. My favorite episodes of this podcast are largely the ones that I am not a part of, and there are a couple of reasons for that. First, because I get to uh, enjoy them like everybody else by listening, um, and second, because well, it's an improvement. So, episode one twenty nine has to be one of our best, and that is of course. The week that we were both on vacation and the Orioles Spastics were kind enough to come out of retirement, come out of retirement to impersonate us as best they could. Yes. And not break character the entire time. That was bueno. That that is definitely uh, definitely a win. Um, You know, I think back to, you know, episodes that I really like. And I think, you know, West Coast baseball holds a particular fondness in my heart is the best way to describe it. And it's not so much for the aspect of staying up late. It's for dongs after dark. Oh, yeah. Again, putting a little, you know, fantasy to Orioles baseball is always a good way to kind of celebrate um, mediocrity at its best. Absolutely. Uh, Another favorite episode, obviously, was our 100th, where we actually, you know, tried to do something. Yeah. And we actually got to go to uh, Dempsey's and uh, do it there. The Orioles were kind enough to provide us a multitude of guests. Um, you know, Nicole basically came on to talk to us. Um, we had the replay coordinator at the time for the Baltimore Orioles come on. Yep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, just, just, to, you know, the Orioles couldn't have been nicer to basically say, Hey, we appreciate you um, doing this idiotic thing and not tarnishing our brand too badly. Um, so why don't you come on over to Dempsey's and do a show with us? But you know, not everyone has been nice about this. No, absolutely not. I mean, remember, Major League Baseball and Apple uh, throwing us off iTunes because they wanted to introduce their own product? Uh, Absolutely. I mean, Major League Baseball wanted to come out with a brand of products. And again, we weren't the only uh, podcast that was targeted. Um, There were numerous other podcasts. But for a 48-hour period there, we were left with, is this the end to Bird's Eye View? (laughs) Um, Luckily, we were able to come back. Um, But um, yeah, scary times for for 48 hours. It was a pleasure for most people, though. They're just like, (laughs) thank God it's finally over. I got to tell you the the you know thinking back about the last eight years or whatever, uh, you know the the two things that really stick out to me first are just all the really interesting people that we've met. We've we've met so many people that are passionate about the same kinds of things that we are, uh, both the Orioles, but but everything else. Um, 
you know, a lot of the other content creators that we've come in contact with have just been amazing. I mean, I, I don't want to leave anybody out, but you know, you talk about Charlie Hoppus. Yep. We we started talking with Charlie a long time ago, and I I met him in person. Yep. For the first time at a baseball game, and you know, ran up and gave him a big hug just because. You know, I was already sure he was, he was such a great guy. I mean, and, and Charlie was perfectly okay with that because he's just like, I love warm hugs. <laughs> you know, Zach Wilt, uh, you know, Derek Arnold. You talked about Matt Taylor. Yeah. I mean, Mark Brown. So many uh, of these people have just really embraced us and, and been uh, just really great friends uh, throughout all this. And not just content creators. I mean, lots of people have, you know, sent tweets or emails or, or DMs uh, and, you know, we've got to know them. Uh, Chris Maurer is a great example. Chris Maurer is a great example of having a beer with him. Steve Hardiman, who's listening in Australia and was willing to commit $300 to basically go buy everybody a drink at a bar. I mean, really, who does that? I mean, that's just a great example of, you know, civic community uh, spirit. Um, and again, an area that the individual has never been. So a great example. Lolly Shapiro is another great example of an individual that, um, has been great friend to us, a great talking piece. Um, but yeah, just, you know, it's been a pleasure talking to all of you. Um, and just, you know, really thank you. It really has embraced, um, my Orioles fandom and really helped to, you know, spur it even further, um, going forward in this next generation. And, you know, Hey, when they're terrible and it happens, uh, you know, that kind of replaces the interest in the actual ball club. Absolutely. All right. Well, Scotty, is that enough navel gazing? I think so. I mean, we've got a season to look forward to, it looks like, for 2020, uh, at least maybe for a few weeks until the country gets closed down again. Um, Let's get it started again for the 2020 season, um, like we were planning to do in March, um, and let's get into the nitty-gritty of what this season's going to look like. All right, we'll get started in just a second. The last thing for our 300th episode is simply to say, if you've been listening to this program, thank you so much. We appreciate you. We love doing this. We hope that you don't mind putting it in your podcast rotation. Tell you what, let's put a pin in this. When the world opens back up, let's do an actual 300 spectacular, regardless of what episode we're on at that point. Numbers don't matter. This is the Baltimore Orioles. We'll call it a a 300 celebration. In quotation marks. Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for basis opinion. Today is July 21st, 2020, and this is episode 300. Unspectacular. My name is Scott Magnus. And I'm Jake English. And on this week's show, well, we're going to get us ready for opening night. Yes, not opening day, opening night. That's right. And we'll do that while trying to lower our expectations. Further than they already are. And we'll do that right after we lubricate for the show. It's time for the drink of the week. Jake, what are you drinking this evening? I am drinking, well, more rubbish than usual. Okay. I'm drinking soda instead of beer. Okay. But it's a Cherry Coke Zero. Oh, okay. Maybe the worst soda on the face of the planet. Uh, Is there any, like, scotch in there or anything like that? No. So did you have scotch before and then you spilled it, or? I had scotch and drank it okay gotcha what about you what are you drinking uh i'm drinking a dripping it's a double dry hopped hazy ipa from big oyster brewery oh boy what a beer all righty and if you'd like to find out what we are drinking socially come join us on untapped i'm at jake e4025 i'm at magn8606 and with that 280 characters or less this week on the twitters Scotty, I have to say the Orioles have dived in. Yes, that's grammatically correct. The Orioles have dived in, and they are making a statement. Here's a tweet from the Baltimore Orioles, who, of course, tweet at Orioles. 
The tweet goes as follows. Mask up, Birdland, with pictures of the statues covered in Orioles masks. Hey. Hey. They are a uh, responsible civic institution. Absolutely. Um, Jake, I'm done talking 2020 already. I'm ready to move on to 2021 with this next tweet. It comes from my favorite, Matt Kremnitzer, at Matt Kremnitzer. Just for fun, predicting the Orioles' opening day lineup in 2021, Hazen Center Field, Mancini at first base, Santander, right field, Nunez, DH, Mountcastle, left field, Alberto, second base, Iglesias, shortstop, Ruiz, third base, Severino, catcher. As always, Davis could be here, and too early for Rutschman, probably. I, I agree with this. Um, I don't think that Davis will be on the 2020 lineup, um, 2021 lineup. Um, I think this is his, his swan song going into the night. Hey, from your lips to God's ears. Hey, what I can tell you, the, though, is that the baseball gods favor the bold. So let's let's make those bold predictions. Absolutely. All right. Uh, the next tweet comes to us from Locked On Orioles. And, of course, uh, Connor was just kind enough to have me on his program yeah. uh, last week. To so talk please- to you about the roster and all informative aspects of Orioles baseball. So I don't know why he invited you, but <laughs> I have no idea. But if you're interested in hearing actual opinion, not baseless opinion, go ahead and check it out. Um, the tweet is as follows. Sheesh, is that a screwball from Cole Stewart at Pitching Ninja? It's a fun little gift there. Um, and if we can expect that in our couple of starts from uh, Cole Stewart before he's do sent away. Do you think he was trying to do it on purpose? <laughs> no. I guarantee you. He's just like, I don't know how I did that. So It's not the Dan Duquette era. So we can't find the most useful pitcher in baseball for two weeks. Yeah. I know this is not on uh, this week on the Twitter, but uh, there was an article I think came out either last week or the week before. Are you breaking the rules on this week on the Twitter? Of course. It's the 300 episode. I'm allowed to do so. Uh, Unspectacular. So they had Darren O'Day talking about pitchers and and how to throw and stuff like that. So, of course, uh, they asked him about Zach Britton and how he, you know, in essence, threw, you know, the pitch that he did um, being 96 miles per hour in a sinker. And he said, well, it's pretty simple. He's got like little dinosaur arms and he's able to actually <laughs> throw the ball like that. And nobody else can do it except for him with his little dinosaur arms. And I thought that was really, you know, re- re- reflective. And it just gives me hope that, you know, folks of you out there that have dinosaur arms, you could be the next Zach Britton as long as you're a left-hander. I, you know, there are more tweets here, but I, I, I think we should end it on dinosaur arms. I think arms. so too. Let's, uh, let's take a stroll through the medical wing, shall we? Check your ears, check your eyes, find out how much you've grown. Time for your checkup. Gonna listen to your heart, they fix you up, ready to go. Time for your checkup. <laughs> it's okay if you giggle. This will Time for your checkup. Time for your checkup. All right, so starting us off in the medical wing. Uh, Dr. Poo Poo um, is pretty much out for the season. That sounds like a condition in itself, but no, he's got a finger problem. Yeah, so uh, he made a, a a diving catch. It was more of a sliding catch, in my opinion, um, where he had you know an issue with his right finger from swelling. Um, he indicated that he'd be out for the season. He's looking forward to coming back to the team in 2021 and trying to compete. That That is a bummer for him because he was basically guaranteed, guaranteed a spot. A spot. Uh, and and I, is that going to happen again? I don't think so. I think this is it for him. I mean, if you look at the depth that's present in the outfield, uh, just like we cover with Matt Kremnitzer, I, I just don't see uh, Stevie Wilkerson making an appearance again with the Baltimore Orioles. You know what that means? He's going to have to learn to catch or, or pitch. He becomes the new head trainer for the Baltimore Orioles because he is a doctor. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Um, not a big deal, but Austin Hayes took a uh, pitch to the knee earlier. It's a little swollen. Uh, I was... I was a little concerned until I saw him play tonight on Tuesday. He looks fine. He looked fine. You know, he had two really hard hit balls in his first two at bats. I believe it was a like 107 and 110 miles per hour. Um, somewhat questioning some of the stat cast data that's come out over the past few days. Um, there was the one uh, home run uh, from the Yankees last night, which indicated that um, there was a 680 foot home run. Nice. Uh, so hard to believe that's the case. I think that would have um, exited Yankee Stadium, and it clearly did not exit Yankee Stadium. Um, so uh, Major League Baseball has gone to a new system called Hawkeye. Um, 
we'll see how accurate it is for the first few weeks. <laughs> well, you know, the good thing is, is that Camden Yards is already calibrated for an empty stadium. A- absolutely. There's no question. All right, let's talk about people who are not so okay. Yeah, um, let's talk about John Means um, being scratched as the opening day starter. No, I don't want to talk about it. No, no. But, we, but we have to. No, um, no. Scratch for arm fatigue. We all know this. It sounds like he's going to be back, you know, relatively soon. Um, but we know how these things tend to be. You know, it's one of those matters where, you know, arm fatigue. He comes back. You know, velocity is not there. Uh, he can't go deep into games. Um, this is something we're gonna have to watch uh, for a sixty-game season. I'm not a doctor, but I figured it out. We just we just talked about a doctor. Do we need to get him on the podcast? Yeah, yeah let's let's we'll, we'll get Doctor Poopoo for a, for a second opinion. I think what we need to do is we need to get him to shoot a Masson commercial. Oh, and everything will be fine after that. Absolutely. So just be like, um, we're gonna do an artificial bullpen session, and we're gonna videotape you. And everything will go fine with your career afterwards. It has worked for every rising pitching star the Orioles have ever had. Rest in peace, Brad Bergeson. Um, other individual with arm fatigue, you know, rising prospect would be Hunter Harvey, who, again, I had joked about maybe him making a spot start as an opener. Nope, not going to happen. Hunter Harvey is also kind of in this day-to-day aspect with dead arm slash arm fatigue. And I think as we as we try to forecast what that means for the bullpen, we should really mull it over. Absolutely. Uh, last one, um, you know, Anthony Santander obviously returned to the club. Um, Dwight Smith Jr., though, um, is getting back into uh, shape recovery. Um, he was diagnosed with COVID, um, just like we kind of expected. Um, he's not, you know, carrying any symptoms. It looks like he's starting to get back into baseball shape at this time. Um, he's questionable, though, if he's going to make the opening day roster. Right now, he's on the injured list um, just to kind of take advantage of the situation. Uh, he could be activated at any time. Um, but the Orioles might give him a few days just to kind of, you know, see a few more at bats, um, at camp. I would be shocked to see him join the club on Friday. I don't think it makes a good amount of sense. I mean, we talked about Dwight Smith coming into the season as it is, and, um, you know, he's an okay player, but he's not like a great player. I mean, great guy. I mean, some of the the stuff that he talked about in terms of like John Lewis passing away, like, you know, great personality, you know, says all the right things. Um, ultimately though. He is what he is in the field. We we need him to hone his skills, though, Scott. And what I mean by that is he needs the time away from baseball so that he can practice up on MLB The Show. Absolutely. We need him to be the champion next year. Anybody else in the medical wing we are missing? I, I, I don't want to. I think to. Dylan Tate is still not back pitching yeah, yet. Yeah. Um, but I think that's it off the top of my head. Like I said, John Means, I think, is the biggest story um, that we just have to kind of keep an eye out. Um, but certainly... For playing only three exhibition games, a lot of Orioles went down really quickly. I had mentioned Jose Iglesias' back soreness, but he's looked fine he looks in the fine. exhibition game. About to say, uh, he looks like uh, you know the old J.J. Hardy from like before he was with the Orioles. Yikes. Why, why are you mean to my wife? I'm about to say, uh, I've got to pick on her boyfriend every once in a while. All right, well, let's, let's take a step away. Let's play the music, come back, and let's talk about the beginning of the season and opening night. All right, Jake, so um, the Orioles, again, finally started to play baseball uh, with a few exhibition games. So they played Friday, Monday, and then they played this evening. Monday and Tuesday were against the Nationals. Friday was against the Phillies. Jake, have you watched any of these games so far, and how did you go about watching these games? All right, so I didn't watch the exhibition game on Friday against the Phillies. I am the worst because both Monday and Tuesday evenings, I have been putzing around the kitchen and suddenly realized, oh, crap, there's an Orioles game on. And right, six o'clock. to the television. Yeah. Uh, so we came in late to uh, Monday's game by quite a bit. Uh, I think it was the third in- inning by the time we tuned in. And uh, we were about 30 minutes into the game by the time we tuned in on, on Tuesday night. So, yeah, I, I saw a little bit. Um, to be honest with you, it was just you know, so good to have baseball back. You, you and I have talked about yeah. the fact that 
you know, this season is probably not the best idea. Yeah. Uh, we don't feel very optimistic that the season is going to run the full gamut of 60 games. But all of that aside, there was nothing more pure in the world than sitting down and watching the ball game. Yeah, I mean, I, I I didn't watch Friday's game, but I did sit down and watch Monday's game. Um, I actually watched it with my son, um, who actually wanted to watch the game. Um, so I think that's a big step forward. Um, and I kind of just sunk into the couch, and uh, my wife came to me and basically said, all right, well, I'll see you in a few months. Um, <laughs> almost like basically just like it was nice knowing you. I- enjoy your hiatus, as it were. Um, and it was kind of that, like that scene from Get Out where, you know, the guy is sitting in the chair and he sinks <laughs> into the black hole. That was kind of me with the couch. I just kind of sunk in, not wanting to move away from, from the glow of even, you know, ridiculous, meaningless baseball. That was this, you know, game that was being broadcast on Monday. I was more like, uh, you know, one of the opening scenes in Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows where a slughorn turns into whoa, whoa, whoa. the chair. Is this a spoiler? Yes. Okay. Got yes. Just want to make sure. It's dragon's blood. Okay. I became one. With the couch. Okay. Wow, we've really, we've really nerded s- up there. Spun out of control. Yes. If there's any time in this world where we have needed three hours of escapism, yes, bring on baseball. Absolutely, completely agree. Um, so I watched most of the broadcasts via MLB.tv. Um, the games were not blocked out. Um, so I just wanted to give it a shot. We have you know free availability if you're a season ticket holder through the Orioles to MLB.tv. A good opportunity to try it out, see if you like it. Um, might be something you give consideration to next year if you're thinking about cord cutting. Um, you know, it was okay. Um, stream quality was up and down throughout the throughout the game, but you know, overall, I think if it's a free aspect as opposed to paying for cable, it's something that you know folks may want to consider. I watched uh, I watched the game, and I don't want to be uncharitable, but it was a little. Weird to have Scott Garceau and Mike Bordick behind the mics in a way that is going to be the norm. Yeah. Um, it's interesting listening to both of them talk. Is It's the best way to describe it and have dialogue with it. Um, there isn't that playful banter. Um, it's two old white guys talking. Um, but not in a good way. Sorry, you talking about this show or the podcast or the uh, sorry? Broadcast? Let, me, let me clarify. It is two older white guys talking <laughs> um, and um, not doing playful banter. See, we are old white guys, but we have playful banter. Would you call this playful? I would call this very playful. Gross. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. Masson's going to be a bit of an adventure this year. I, again, I, I'm I'm somewhat enthused by the fact that the Orioles have done such a good job of improving their stable of talent. Um, I'm interested to see what, what they're going to do with, you know, Jeff Arnold and, and uh, Brett Hollander. Yeah. And, so know, I think that was actually and, the really interesting thing for the Monday's broadcast. They had um, uh, Brett Hollander in the stadium, kind of roaming and doing interviews and stuff like just that. Just wandering around, just kind of wandering around and doing stuff. But I would say that from a dynamic standpoint and a tone, um, Brett Hollander resonated a lot more f- with me. Again, former guest of the show, um, not to be biased, but you know, I just again was a lot more interested to hear what Brett Hollander had to say than Scott Garceau. Um, and that's something against Scott Garceau. I just think that Scott Garceau has to be paired with the right person in order to kind of bring him out. Sure, uh, I'll be interested to listen more to the radio this year. You know, I'm interested in Melanie Newman and Jeff Arnold. Um, of course, Kevin Brown. I, I can't wait to hear more yeah. of. I, I wonder. You know, if if one of the crews turns out to be more successful than not, yep. Um, if we might see, you know, a Vin Scully situation where you get the radio broadcast on the television, hmm. it's an interesting, um, you know, avenue and idea. Um, I could see the Orioles potentially pulling that route. Um, I actually listened a little bit to Jeff Arnold uh, tonight and Melanie Newman. I thought they were doing a really good job. Um, you know, getting a feel for the ropes of things. Um, you know, engaging commentary. They've actually been doing a similar format of like a video podcast uh, and putting it out there. Um, so I think that they've been honing their skills together. Um, as we've talked about before, there's a lot of subtle cues um, and picking up of dead airspace. Um, and I think it's really important for two broadcasters like that to pick that up. And that's what kind of concerns me with Bordick and with Scott Garceau that I'm not sure if they're taking that kind of initiative. Whereas some of these individuals that are a little bit younger in their careers I think are a little bit more 
um, in it to win it. All right. Well, let's talk about some of the real baseball. All sure. right. Let's the hard hitting real talk. And I want to start with Alec Cobb. I thought he looked really sharp in Monday's game. And by that, I mean his hosiery. Did you see those socks? Uh, I did see the socks. I actually thought he actually did pretty well. Also, from a pitching standpoint, I thought his pitches had really decent movement on them. Again, not great, um, but serviceable. I mean, if he can go out there and actually pitch a significant amount of games and not get a blister or a turf toe or whatever it may be, that'd be great. Yeah, no, he, he looked great. Um, you know, Renato Nunez did a thing on Monday night defensively with the glove on his hand. At You're talking the, ba- the batting glove, right? No. Oh, my. <laughs> he made a real defensive play on, on Monday night, and I was like, Whoa. What is that? Yeah, is that a different Nunez on the team that I'm not aware of? Of course, I, I must say that Bordick then made a comparison between him and uh, Mark Reynolds and referred to Mark Reynolds as a gold glove caliber first oh, baseman. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. But Renato Nunez did a thing, and he, I He did a thing, and you're just like, that we, oh, my God, it's a thing. It, it was a thing. I was, I was impressed with him. Well, that's great. Um, I'm glad that they're doing a thing. You know, speaking about real baseball, um, obviously, they're not going to be crowds, but... You know, them piping in crowd noise, I actually think has been pretty good, actually. Um, I was skeptical that it was really going to make a difference, but I actually kind of like it. You know, when there's a double into the gap, kind of hearing the the noise of the stadium kind of rise up a little bit and come back down. I, I think that's a nice little touch in terms of putting you into the ambiance. All right. I'm, I'm dumb, so please forgive this question, but... Are they going to do that during the season, or yeah, is that they're just gonna, the exhibition? No, they're doing that during the season as well. I'm okay. I'm a little bummed by that. Yeah, I would prefer them to just mic up everything. Yeah, 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 and and let's hear it. So I think we're going to hear that that mic'd up aspect throughout the whole you know uh, you know whole game. Um, you know, even the balls coming off the bat sound a lot louder right now um, with the kind of noise in the stadium. I think it's just that if there is action during the game, as opposed to there being dead noise um, with someone circling the bases, I think they're going to try to put in some some white noise, as it were. Um, so they're actually taking sound from MLB The Show and actually interspersing it into the stadium. So literally, alternative reality is becoming reality uh, in front of our eyes. My goodness. Um you know, going back to Friday's game again, I, I didn't watch it, but why is Tom Eshelman a thing? Um, because the Orioles need someone to throw. Do you think that there is any chance that he makes the club? I think to start off, yeah. I think to start off, he might get on the club. I mean, they're going to carry, what, 11 bullpen arms? So, uh, yeah, I think they'll they'll manage. Yikes. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I wish the guy well, but not but necessarily Not that well. Here. I'm sure they they threw him against uh, Philly because he was a former Philadelphia farm Again, we have Tommy Malone pitching as our opening day starter. Yeah, and the rest of the league is terrified. Yeah, you're absolutely right. The Red Sox are concerned that they're going to hit so many home runs that they're going to get tired. Yes, (laughs) circling the bases that many times. It's going to be like that uh, scene from the Bugs Bunny cartoon with the uh, gorilla gang house or whatever going around the bases. Um, you know, we talked about uh, the crowd noise. We talked about uh, some of the other things going on in the ballpark. They've got some tarps in the stands, which I thought was odd until I realized that they were using it for the backdrop for digital advertising. Yes. You know, baseball is having a harder time making money uh, during these troubled times. But it was weird because they had those tarps out on the stands, but the advertisements uh, at Canyon Yards behind the plate were all covered. Correct. I don't understand that either. Um, it was it was weird of like, why is one thing closed off and one thing is not open? So Javi Burns mentioned that um, the behind the dugout or the behind the home plate ones are um, DraftKings and DraftKings is not open yet for MLB. Mm. So they don't want to be promoting it. But it doesn't make sense because wouldn't you want to be promoting the product anyway during exhibition games so that when opening day rolls around on Friday night, people are putting their money into it? I, 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 something is weird there, in my opinion. Wait a minute. So DraftKings is advertising on both dumb podcasts and at the major league level. Absolutely. I think major league baseball actually has like uh, a financial tie right now to DraftKings, like where they're either getting, you know, advertising dollars or they have to take a certain percentage revenue of the cut, but there's no gambling in sports. No, no, of course <laughs> not. Pete, Pete Rose uh, made that deal. I'm sure. 
I noticed uh, that some players, both here in Baltimore and throughout the league, are playing with masks. Uh, I think that's interesting. Uh, I don't know that I have an opinion about it one way or the other. I want them to wear it when they leave the ballpark. I think it's very patriotic of them to be wearing masks. Very patriotic. Do you think that there's any anyone more patriotic than those players wearing the masks? Aubrey Huff. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. So Anthony Santander was perhaps not wearing his mask most effectively. Right. Uh, you know, He had one of those filters on the front of his mask. Covering the mouth, not the nose type of yeah. deal. Uh, I'll be interested to see, particularly as the season goes on and we see what the public health situation is, if uh, playing with masks becomes more prevalent out of choice or perhaps more prevalent out of uh I, I think we're going to see more masks, and it's going to become more just the norm um, on the baseball fields. All right. So let's let's take that as a nice little segue for predictions. Yeah, absolutely. We Scotty, can what do you think is going to happen with this season? Here we are. It's the 21st of July, yep. 2020. Friday is opening day. The Orioles have a 60-game season ahead of them. How many games do you think we're actually going to get? I think we're going to get 30 games. You think we'll get 30? Yeah. Okay. I think we're going to get 30 games. I mean, you know, take, for example, what we're seeing right now in, in Canada, where, you know, the Canadian government has basically said, no, we're not going to allow you to play in Toronto, um, and you guys are going to have to find somewhere else to go. Um, and even to this moment right now, there is not a resolution to that matter. You know, it looks like Pittsburgh may come to the aid of the Blue Jays and offer PNC Park uh, for them to play. But we are literally a few days away from the season starting, and we have one major league baseball club that has no place to play. They can't go to Buffalo, which is where I thought they were going to play. Major League Baseball nixed that and said they do not have the facilities necessary in order to do so. So even if Toronto wanted to do it, Major League Baseball came in and said the clubhouses are not appropriate. It's not going to work. So the Blue Jays have to find a major league stadium, and they have to, in essence, get a stadium authority um, get a government uh, agency uh, to basically uh, agree for, to let them come in. I think we're going to continue to see stuff like this pop up where we're going to see hotspots pop up in certain states. Um, and eventually, I think certain states are going to close down. And I don't think all the teams will be impacted by it, but enough teams will be impacted by it where Major League Baseball is going to say, we can't keep doing this. Like We can't keep seeing teams fall out um, of the league and not being able to participate. You know, I, I read somewhere that the Orioles, for a time, were a consideration as a secondary home for the yeah, Blue Jays. Yeah, um, Ben Nicholson, um, who reports, reports for Sportsnet, um, put out an article on that um, indicating that um, Oriole Park was in consideration. Um, honestly, you know, I think the facility could do it. Um, I don't think, though, that the Maryland Stadium Authority and or the Maryland government would have allowed it. Um, I think that's just too much of a complexity um, for very little gain for themselves. Sure. If, well, if it was a South Korean team, absolutely. We would have done it in a heartbeat because we've got a great relationship with South Korea. Um, but <laughs> Better than the Baltimore Orioles do. That's Absolutely. Sure. No question about it. <laughs> All right. Uh, so you say 30 games. I, I originally thought there was no way we were going to get more than two weeks in. Um, but I, you know what? I, I'm, I can deal with 30 games. I, I'm just for the sake of argument because we can't agree on things. That's boring. I'll take the under. Okay. 30 games. Um, I right. do think that if we get to 30 games and they're saying we're going to cancel the season, um, we say, great, we're going to have a home run derby tournament. Whoever has the most home runs at the end of it wins the World Series. Will there be orange slices at the end? There will absolutely be orange slices, and there'll be a camp council there saying, here's some water, stay hydrated. All right. Let's uh, fantasy baseball. Yeah. The Orioles get to 60 games. Well, the league gets yeah. to 60 games. How many wins? For the Baltimore Orioles in 60 games. In 60 games? I think I said this before. I said 14. I have a different feeling. Okay. I have a different feeling. Hear me out. Okay. I think if the Orioles do, in fact, get to play 60 games, that will be the worst case scenario on many fronts. Okay. And the universe will punish us for it. And so I'm going to say that the Orioles win 24 games. Okay. I think that's what Pakota says, actually, too. And here's why. Oh, well, then I have to change it. Yeah. I think that the Orioles are going to win 24 games because it will push them down far enough in the draft to yeah. harm their rebuild. I think it will also bring us tantalizingly close to being adjacent to the 
outer chamber of the conversation of the wild card and just enough foolish people will be interested in what the Orioles might be able to do. And frankly, I think that that would hurt worse than us just being completely out of it uh, by the final few weeks of the season. Okay. I I think for no other reason than spite and my experience with baseball, 24 is, is the magic number. All right. That's fair. Um, You know, I think, you know, I, I could see them reaching into the twenties is the best way to describe it. I mean, I think that if we're looking for a number to, um, in essence, predict the fall, as you pointed out, I think the number has got to be higher for them to lose out on a draft pick of a serious number. I'm thinking it's going to be more like 29, as in, you know, the 29 electoral votes um, that come out of Florida um, that put us into a, you know, a deep compromise for the next four years. All right. Here's the real reason I think they'll win 24 games. Okay. If the Major League Baseball season goes to 60 games, I think that the Orioles will not be the only one fielding a team of minor league players. I would agree with you about that. And I think that uh, there's a pretty good chance that they can compete in that league. I, I would agree with that. Um, any other wacky predictions for you? I do. Okay. If the Orioles get to 60 games, yeah, I think that Chris Davis will have a decent season. Okay. Here's my wacky prediction for you. I think Renato Nunez is going to threaten for the home run crown. This year for the Baltimore Orioles. How many? How many not not runs? just for the Baltimore Orioles, like for all Major League Baseball. How many home runs do you think wins the 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 crown this year? 20, 22. 22 in 60 games? Yeah, I'm thinking That's what, a little more than a third of a regular season? Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. He's going to have to go on, on several uh, uh, Mark Reynolds tears for that. You know, Mark Reynolds, a perennial... Perennial uh, gold glove, gold exactly. Glove, uh, That's candidate. what I was thinking. Like, hey, if we're going to pick gold glovers, you know, he could just replicate that kind of success. I mean, someone's going to go on a tear for a two to three week period, and it's going to become the home run king. Um, and I think we're going to all look back at it and laugh. The 60-game season is going to be weird because the games are going to matter a lot more. Yeah, there was someone talking about this on um, CBS Sports Radio, um, and they were were talking along the lines of, you know, managers are going to have to manage each game like it's a playoff game. I don't know if I quite buy that, um, but I do think organizations are going to make quicker moves um, in terms of if a player is not, you know, meeting expectations that an injury will crop up, um, a player will be released, a player will be optioned if it puts the team into a better situation. Um, I think, you know, similar to what we're seeing with Dwight Smith of like immediately putting him on the injured list um, and giving that flexibility from a roster standpoint are going to be moves that, you know, good teams are going to be making throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, you lose a game and you've lost, you know, what, 3% of your season. Sure. Right there. You know, you you lose a series. That's, you know. But, but to say when you put it that way, it doesn't seem like the Orioles are going to have that bad of a season. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Hey, those little pennies add up. It's like uh, Superman 2 or Office Space or... Whatever. I can tell you this. I do not think it's likely that the Orioles will end their season four and 32. I would agree with you about that. I would agree with you about that. Anything else we need to do to kind of get ready for this season? Yeah. I mean, let's let's talk about opening night. Yeah. We've got a night game for our starter, which is super weird. Do you have your baseball beer ready? I have my baseball beard ready. It's it's creeping forward in the fridge so that I'm sure it catches my eye. Um, But if you wake up that morning. And your wife has drunk your baseball beer on the day of opening night. How would you react? Um, first of all, I would be shocked because she she doesn't care for for the beer. Oh, so she has better taste. Yes. Okay, just want to make sure. In everything but men. Yes. Uh, how does one celebrate an opening night on a on a work day in which we're not really allowed to go out and celebrate? Um, so I think you watch the Orioles game. Um, you do some karaoke by singing some some Neil, Di- Neil Diamond hits. Um, I don't think it it really is going to be the same celebration again. Uh, we talk about opening day and we talk about it as kind of a rebirth, as it were, a rejuvenation. Um, and, and certainly that is not the case this year. We're kind of just scraping by and trying to return to some modicum of normalcy. Um, I think that when we're able to actually go out and socialize with the culture and with the individuals that we are talking about at the very beginning of the show, I think that's when we can actually go out and celebrate an opening day and baseball returning. So here's here's what I'm thinking for opening night. I'm thinking, you know, sit down with the family, making an event, grill up some dogs and burgers, ballpark fair, have some 
popcorn and peanuts and beer on hand. Yeah, not not so much the Cracker Jack. You but, don't care if you ever go back? <laughs> I'm just not sure they are going to go back, yes. Scott. But, you know, do as much baseball feel as possible. Yeah. You know, Nostalgia. Deck everybody in orange, whether they like it or not. And just, you know, try to have a, a good night at home with the family. And also, I'm looking forward to the return of live tweeting games. Yeah. I mean, the Birdland community that has sprung up that, that happens live during games, you know, has also been something that's been missing. I completely agree. Uh, my uh, resolution for this year is to try to uh, do a little bit more gift game um, and pick up some of uh, things. I did not do a good job with that last year, picking up with some of the, the new talent that was acquired by the Orioles. Um, but I'm hoping that we can, you know, find some good reactions, as it were. Are you sure that's not GIF Jam? Uh, no, it's not GIF Jam. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, how excited are you about Tommy Malone? Uh, not whatsoever. Huh. So there's nothing good to look forward to on opening night? Dongs. Dongs? After dark. After dark. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> opening night will be an opportunity for Dongs After Dark. Scott, I was not expecting a win but you've just swayed me absolutely you heard it here first folks the orioles dominate the red Sox. after dark i didn't say the orioles dominate the red Sox. the red Sox have the dongs over the orioles no 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 that's not I'm, the way this works i'm all in oh you're all in you're I'm you're shoving it all in, in. okay good dongs after dark is for the orioles well you know, with a with a storm that has passed through now, uh, while we're recording this podcast, I am all wet. <laughs> um, so I'm ready to, you know, stop talking about Tommy Malone. <laughs> we are literally sitting on Scotty's porch as it rains, listening to the mm, less so distant thunder and hoping that it doesn't reach here. Yeah. Hit us with these metal stands that we have very adjacent to us. So, Scotty, I am uh, I'm looking forward to Friday night. How are you going to celebrate it? Uh, I'll be at a wedding uh, and hopefully uh, being able to sneak away and uh, watch the baseball game at a later point. Oh, woof. Well, it's a good thing you've got that MLB TV, buddy. About to say, can instantly queue up to whatever inning and start from the beginning if necessary. It's going to be like that Super Bowl commercial where all the guys are in the pews at the wedding watching, uh, it was probably football, you know, screaming out, Yes! Yeah, except if you're listening to Orioles game, you're just like, no. <laughs> or should I say from last week's episode, no. No. All right. Well, uh, is there any other content we can squeeze out of opening night? I don't think so. Do we want to go ahead and kind of close this out with a blowing the save? Let's do it. So, Jake, we we started the show kind of going through the history of kind of the podcast, some big moments that we had, um, some guests of the show, some some big moments. But we did ourselves a disservice. Don't we always? Uh, we didn't say thank you to the real people that make this podcast, and that's our lovely wives. Are we supposed to do that? Yes, we're supposed to do that. So our lovely wives have allowed us to step away to write blog articles, to attend baseball games, to allow Jake English to go to the press box way too many times um, and just to just, you know, abandon his family. Um, and again, they've allowed us to basically podcast both in your living room, in my basement, um, while they secluded and segregated away so that they could, you know, if, in essence, avoid and isolate themselves uh, at, during this during this podcast. At the old house, we used to podcast in my living room. Yes. And Sarah had to lock herself in the bedroom. Absolutely. And stay away for a couple of hours. Just to avoid uh, trying to hear the podcast uh, in any aspect of it. So uh, we're here sitting on our porch. We're about to have some drinks. Um, our wives are joining us for this 300th episode, just like they were joining us for our 100th episode um, at the warehouse. Uh, we just wanted to say thank you. And, uh, you know, God bless you both. Truly the best of baseball widows. Absolutely. We love you, boys. And that, <laughs> that is our show. Remember, you can find this in our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at Birds of You Baltimore. 
Birdseyeviews.com. Birdseyeview is available for download wherever it is you get your podcasts. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. Please remember to rate and review the show. We appreciate the feedback and it encourages other people to listen for the first time. Come and get social with us. You can email us at contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com and for hate mail, Scott at hey, birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Nice to meet you. You can find us on social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Snapchat, but the best way to get a hold of us is on Twitter, where we tweet at birdseyeview, B-A-M. And with that, Baltimore and beyond, from the wet porch of Scott Magnus's house, I will bid you all a fun adieu-adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there. And finally, let's go O's. Scotty, our 300th episode was truly unspectacular. Unspectacular. still here? It's over. Go home. Go.